Good morning, and welcome to Jew in the City Speaks with your host, Allison Josephs, also known as Jew in the City. For those who are following the Jewish calendar, this Shabbos is Tu Bishvat, Chag Ha'ilanot, the birthday of trees. I was not raised terribly observant, but we always knew about this holiday growing up because this is one of those holidays that secular Jews who are not terribly devout or have too much faith can really get behind because it's you know, tree hugging, it's about, you know, the environment and taking care of nature. And that's just kind of one of those, you know, take care of the world values that most people in general have. Um, I remember growing up, we would, you know, pay to have trees planted in Israel. And that was really maybe, you know, a Tubishvat Seder um, in Hebrew school. That was sort of the extent of uh, what Tubishvat looked like. Um, then I became observant and I met people in the orthodox world that were very committed to environmentalism and sort of shared that same, you know, take care of the world approach. Um, But then, unfortunately, I was exposed to parts of the orthodox world that surprisingly were not so careful about um, not just environmentalism as a cause and, you know, um, sorting your bottles versus your newspapers, but um, unfortunately, an underbelly, um, parts of the world where, you know, garbage is just thrown on the streets and sort of just the basic um, things that sort of decent human beings uh, wouldn't do. And it's really a challenge here um, at Jew in the City. For our longtime listeners, you know that our mission is to break down stereotypes about religious Jews and offer a humorous, meaningful look into Orthodox Judaism. And we started off this mission, um, it's actually closing in on 10 years soon, really to show all the positivity that never gets reported on in uh, traditional media, and all the beautiful stories, and all the chesed, and all the -the out-of-the-box things that people never hear about. Um, What ends up happening when you talk about, yay, rah, rah, we're so good, is that you hear from people that had a different experience, people that had a more negative experience, who push back and say, but wait one second, this is my experience, and that was my experience. And so over time, I would say that our messaging has become more nuanced, um, not because we started off um, lying or trying to deceive anyone, but because as we have gotten more information and sort of a a, a bigger and deeper picture of sort of the, the whole Orthodox world in general, um, we've had to make adjustments for the sake of um, not just saying we're good, but also making sure that we are good. Um, that's a lesson that, you know, I've learned from my Rav, that shtika kehoda, that from the Talmud we learned that being silent is like tacit approval. And so even though it's painful sometimes to confront shortcomings or parts of our community that are not as perfect as they are, if we truly want to be a Kiddush Hashem, we can't just only talk about the great parts. We have to own up to the parts that are struggling and to talk about ways to fix it and then go out and do it. And I think personally that's about as inspiring as you could get. I mean, even our Torah is willing to talk about the shortcomings of our leaders and talk about, you know, what we can learn from that. So, I mean, we, we shouldn't be frimmer or um, more whitewashy than the Torah, should we? Um, so um, an organization was presented to us, um, and I thought it was an amazing uh, topic to talk about since we're in the Tubishvat time of year. It's an organization that's dealing with teaching the Haredi community in Israel to be more environmentally conscious. Um, and that's definitely, you know, being spending time in Yerushalayim and seeing certain neighborhoods that 
again, have garbage on the ground or, you know, this is Ir HaKodesh, the holy city of Jerusalem, and seeing um, things just not to the place or uh, status of what I would hope things would be. Um, I find this an interesting and fascinating topic. Why are we lacking um, for things to be up to Torah standards, and who are the people that are trying to um, make improvements uh, in those ways? And with us today, we have Naomi Elbinger, um, and she is the director of the English department at an organization called Lashomra. Naomi, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Alison. It is, is a real pleasure and an honor to be here because I've been an admirer of yours for a very long time. Actually, you may remember that um, I interviewed you in 2010 when your videos were really taking off on YouTube, and I've been following you ever since, so it's really exciting for me to be here. Oh, my, my pleasure, and uh, I had a great time interviewing you. I hope I'll uh, be as good an interviewer as I was as I was an interviewee. Um, so I guess if you could tell us, uh, just to start with, because I have a little bit of an intro now, um, what What is this organization, Lashomra, and what is its mission? Okay, well, Lashomra is a non-profit spearheading a major positive shift in environmental awareness and connection with nature in Israel's Haredi community. So what we've done is we've developed a Torah-based green education curriculum, and we've launched our program in, so far, over 80 Haredi classrooms across Israel. And we've been training people to run it. We've trained 20 qualified Haredi ecology guides, and we've also trained close to 200 active teachers to implement the green education in their classrooms. And the amazing thing is that we've done all this in one year, and we're just getting started. I love um, I love things moving quickly. I have no patience for the world staying broken longer than it has to. So I love um, big ideas and uh, successfully executed ideas. Um, so take us back to um, sort of what when was the aha moment? Who are the founders, and kind of what pushed the founders to say it's time to do something? This is a problem, and now we have to fix it. Well, the founder of our organization is called Avishai Himmelfarb, and he really started this organization in response to the demand of the community. Um, mm. he, his background is in therapeutic gardening, and he mm. was working in, in community centers with Haredi groups. He also worked for wait, the Wait, wait, just stop for a second. What, what does therapeutic gardening mean? Because I've never heard that before. Therapeutic, you know, these days, everything that used to be normal that people did, like gardening and horse riding and playing with animals, now it's a therapy, right? Because Got it. people need it. You're Children saying people it. are just too so, attached to their devices and don't do it unless like a therapist helps them like get... <laughs> no, you have to hire a qualified therapist to help you pet a bunny rabbit, right? So Got it. that's also with gardening, right? There's people whose specialty is helping, um, helping children to connect with the earth and plant things and it has, you know, has a tremendous positive impact on children having various social difficulties or developmental delays. That's hmm. his specialty. That's his background. Hmm. So he was doing the that in the... Asked him to start, the community asked him to start something for the Haredi world for, for therapy or just sort of general knowledge? Just, just in general. He started doing it in community centers, and he was doing it with a very large environmental organization here in Israel called the Society hmm. for the Protection of Nature in Israel. It's one of the biggest, most established environmental organizations here in Israel. And he was doing... Um, 
he was doing it with a Haredi public, and there was just so much demand and so much need. He he decided to run a, like educational farm tours to invite Haredi schools and families and rabbis to visit a farm and see how you know see how various how food is grown and how the mitzvahs that are related to growing food and agriculture are performed. This was back in 2015, which was the year of Shemitah here in Israel. So there was a lot of interest at that point, um, mm. and people wanted to learn a bit more about the agricultural mitzvah. So he decided to launch his program, and the response was just unbelievable. He had over 7,000 people coming to his farm tours in just a few months, and they, they loved it. They wanted more. They requested more, and from there he decided to get into school programs, um, and that's where it began. The Shema was formed as an organization out of that demand. Mm-hmm. What are they learning? Like, how often does the green teacher come in, and, and what do they teach them about um, environment and ecology in a Torah hashkafa? So, well, one of the amazing things that we've done that's very unique is we've developed a Torah-based green curriculum. So that's mm-hmm. never been done before. There are many, you know, great green educational initiatives out there, but they're really not appropriate for a Haredi public. The world, the Torah worldview is very different. Um, so we developed that program, and we have we have a number of different programs for different age groups, different settings. Um, for example, one of our main programs, which is called Our Little Farm is um, for ages five to eight. Um, so it's running in kindergartens and the, the younger grades of, of elementary schools. And it's a 25-week program, and it's sort of both an indoor and outdoor program. In the classroom, they're learning key environmental concepts. Number one, not littering. <laughs> That's from lesson yes. one, and it carries out through, throughout. But many, many key environmental concepts. Recycling, not wasting, biodiversity. We get to know the native birds and flowers and we get to appreciate, you know, what the nature that surrounds us. That's in the classroom. Outside the classroom, we establish like a mini farm in their schoolyard and the children plant and grow and tend and harvest their own vegetables and food and get to watch that process unfold before their eyes. That's amazing. And how long does it, this is a year-long course, or like how often are they um, having this programming in school? It's a 25-week program, which is most of the year. Um, but because we train the teachers um, to integrate this program into their classroom, it's not just like they do it for one hour a week. Mm-hmm. The teachers give us stories about how they integrate it into everything they're teaching in the classroom. If it could be Parsha Shavua or anything, because... Um, when you're tending a garden, like it needs a lot of care, it's not just once a week for an hour. You have to go out there. You have, the, the children look at it every day, and they take care of it. They water it. They weed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it becomes a part of their whole everyday classroom experience. So, do you, I mean, this is fabulous, and I'm so happy. Um, and now that we've spoken about um, all the great things that are happening. I feel like we can now talk about some of the problems that were there before or are there that need to be fixed. And I'm curious if you have any thoughts on this because Baltashchis, don't waste, is, you know, a, a commandment. Um, and certainly, you know, even, I know, Adam is um, told to guard, you know, sort of take the world and guard it. Like that's sort of like what he's given as his uh, job in, you know, being put in into Hashem's world. And um, 
you know, the first time that I think I was in Yerushalayim and religious and just was noticing garbage everywhere. And then I had heard, I'd never been to Salt Lake City, but I've heard that the Mormons are treating Salt Lake City, it's an immaculate you know, place, and Brigham Young University does an immaculate campus. Um, that mm-hmm. was sort of shocking to me. And the other thing is that one of the, the things that we do do in the city um, that we sort of got into accidentally because there was a need, we've done some corporate diversity training for companies that have um, Hasidic and Haredi uh, customers. And um, for mm-hmm. one of the major corporations that we spoke to, one of the first questions that they asked me when I came in um, was, why is there garbage everywhere? Um, and this is in a Hasidic community in the New York area. Why, when we come to their community, do we just see garbage thrown everywhere? And I had I had nothing to say. And um, it happens to be that my husband comes from a Lubavitch family, and my sister-in-law is a bit of a Torah scholar, and she actually showed me different sort of Hasidic teachings about cleanliness being next to godliness, and these are actually Torah ideas, you know, um, to keep oneself clean and to take care of the world and to not waste. So um, do you have any thoughts about where things went wrong? Because it's, I guess what's frustrating to me is that, um, and I I don't want to, um, you know, make any generalizations, and I know that there's always exceptions, and you can't, you know, sort of blame an entire community for, you know, the things that sort of the the worst of them are doing. But unfortunately, the stuff that's the worst sticks out the most. And this is a community that sort of looks the most, quote, unquote, Jewish. And so sort of the Chil Hashem is, um, in a sense, uh, you know, made even greater because so much focus is on there. So do you have any thoughts about how things went wrong in, in this respect? Well, before I answer your question, Olson, I just want to say that I feel your pain. <laughs> it's real. Um, certainly in Israel, like you've described, in, your, in Jerusalem and around the country, when you go to a, a beautiful place, you know, it could be a national park, could be a beach, yeah. could be a, a holy site, right? and, you, and many visitors to this country, unfortunately, have the experience you're describing, and, um, and it's painful. I just want to say that. <laughs> yeah. I hear you. Um, and I think that I think I think that it's a really interesting question about we are asking about where we went wrong. And I think it all comes down to a concept that we talk about a lot in the Shamra, which is Nisraes Habaira, which can be translated as um, the wonders of creation. It's a mm. common Torah concept and Basically, the idea is that it's very hard for us human beings to get close to Hashem, to know Him, right? He's mm-hmm. an unfathomable concept. Mm-hmm. But one of the ways that's recommended is that if we uh, appreciate the amazingness of His creation, the unfathomable complexity and beauty of His creation, that's one way that we can come closer to Hashem. Mm-hmm. But the reality is that um, many Orthodox communities, not just Orthodox communities, many human beings today, right, all kinds of Jews and non-Jews, live in a way that is quite cut off from the wonders of creation and lose that that sensitivity and that appreciation. And this problem expresses itself in many ways. And one of the ways we think is that it causes people to to not understand what's wrong with Mm -hmm. Um, And really, it's a matter of education. 
Mm-hmm. These these aspects of education are not emphasized. Like you said, there are very solid Taurus sources that say that littering is completely prohibited. Um, mm-hmm. I was just reading uh, in the Benish Chai. The Benish Chai is Rabbi Yosef Chaim of Baghdad. He's a major modern halachic authority and a Kabbalist. And he... He, he reflects on the, tradition, the Jewish tradition that when a Jew comes home from shul on Friday night, he's accompanied by angels, and they mm-hmm. go home with him. And he takes that further and says, you know, those angels, they stay with you throughout the whole week, wherever you go. Mm-hmm. But he mm-hmm. qualifies that these angels will not keep company with somebody who litters in the street. He says, mm-hmm. in fact, they will curse such a person. That's the Benish Chai. There's a... A modern authority, Rabbi Yitzhak Silverstone, who's a, a very prominent halachic authority currently active in B'nai Brak, and he mm. quotes this Benish Chai, and he takes it further. He says that he believes that a person who litters sure doesn't understand the concept of Bain Adam Lechavero, which is mm. consideration for your fellow man, which is a major thing. He says that littering is the way that we can tell if somebody has internalized the idea of that you should not do another person what you yourself would hate, which is a Talmudic concept that's often, often quoted everywhere. And he also adds that he believes that being careful about you know, cleanliness in the streets is a, it's a spiritual imperative. It, makes, mm-hmm. it takes the person to a high spiritual level. So, mm-hmm. like you said, we have the Torah sources, right? But for whatever reason, it hasn't been so much put out there in the education system. So here's the good news. Lishamra is all about changing that. And because mm-hmm. we're a Torah-based program um, and we're working in a population that's so receptive to any Torah ideas and any of these sources obviously very much valued in our community, right? We find that the people we're working with, the children, their teachers, their families are so receptive to these ideas. It's, it's amazing how quickly they can spread. It's mm. really all a matter of education because the reality is that nobody, nobody's born knowing why littering is bad or even that it's bad. I mean, you might even say that, you know, a child might think, like, why should I walk across the park to throw this exactly. bomber wrapper in the bin when I can just toss it over my shoulder like is a child born have, knowing that I have a very clear um, memory of the on a boardwalk when I was I don't know maybe like six six or seven something like that and having a candy wrapper and just letting my hand open up and letting the paper fall to the ground and I promptly got screamed at by my parents pick that up right now you know if everyone just drops their garbage on the ground then we'd be living in a giant garbage can and my kids did the same thing and I gave that over to them um, I've wondered before is I'm saying, I guess, in terms of like how education breaks down, like I have to imagine at some point this was there and then at some point um, education got broke down. And I guess, you know, could we blame the effects of the war, or the Holocaust of just sort of like families being decimated and just, you know, trying to build up the basics? Um, that's sort of one uh, sort of theory I have. Another one, I wonder if, you know, larger families are just sort of so overwhelmed with taking care of you know, just keeping things running. I mean, I know for myself when my, my babies were younger and I had, you know, a bunch of them all at once, just even keeping my own home sort of on top of things was a harder thing to manage. And for families that are continuing to, you know, 
have babies after babies after babies, um, that could be another. Do, do you think either of those theories might hold any water? Or? I think that there's truth in both of those theories. Um, there's probably no one reason for this problem. Right. However, when you think about it, littering is like, it's a new issue that affects the world. It's not like it's been around for thousands of years. Um, right. It's really only in the past 50 years that it became a, a massive issue anywhere, right? Mm. And awareness of that was really raised by the media and mm. and the school system, which most Haredim are not so much in contact with. And the message just somehow did not get through. But we find that once we start teaching it, it it gets understood very quickly. In our program, like I said, it's like a 25-week program. There was not even any garbage to throw out, because, meaning like, because we've now become this society that like creates all this stuff, now suddenly there's stuff to like leave around. But in what you're saying before, 50 years ago, we just simply didn't have as much stuff to just drop all over the world. There weren't wrappers or garbage in the same way. People more like just naturally reused because things were scarce. Is that is that what you're going with? Well, obviously, I mean, we, we our lifestyles these days involves a lot of takeaway food and a lot of, um, you know, food mm. that comes in packaging in a way that just did not exist two generations mm. ago. Like people, things were homemade and there was no, no available plastics, was not so easy and was not so cheap. Is Le Chomre so at all? At some point, there's been some sort of disconnect, like you're talking about, and the education didn't reach this sector the way it did other sectors. Are you guys doing um, Tzara Baal Chaim at all? Is that, does that come under your uh, sort of rubric of caring for the earth? Um, we don't deal with animals much. We're dealing with, you know, plants. We talk about, we talk about um, biodiversity and, and birds and native creatures, turtles, deer. We'll talk about that kind of thing. We don't handle them so much in the program. What we mm-hmm. do do is we do, like, activities where we spot different birds and learn to identify them and butterflies and we build a birdhouse for the birds and we talk about the important role that they play in, you know, pollinating plants or, you know, keeping the balance in nature. And I think that overall gives the children an appreciation for the world, even like bugs, right? We look at bugs. Mm -hmm. We have big pictures of really gross bugs, millipedes, scorpions, things like Mm -hmm. that, things that kids would assume are just, disgusting and they would never have anything, want to have anything to do with them. And then they learn that, you know, they are a part of Hashem's creation and they play a yeah. really important role. And, you know, we don't have to cuddle them, but we can respect them. No, So, uh, meaning, you know, sort of what we stay busy with at Jew in the City is what do the headlines look like and what are we doing wrong and kind of, is the media wrong? Is our community wrong? That's kind of where we are nowadays. And one thing that I see again and again every single year is how Kaparos are mishandled and this is not to say that um, this minhug shouldn't continue with chickens because I know for many communities it's very near and dear to them. But unfortunately, a lot of mishandling with how the chickens are treated. And as we've sort of delved a little bit deeper into this, we're just finding that there's not so much even, I don't know, connection with the midst of that it's not even something that's so stressed in you know certain school systems. And I'm just wondering if that could be Um, something that, you know, a little bit of a chapter more kind of focusing on that because I think if kids had an attitude, again, about Hashem's creations and treating them kindly and respectfully, I think that could affect how, when they grow up, they 
you know, might approach certain um, setups of kaparos if they see that it doesn't look like it's according to halacha, then say, I'm not going to put my money there. I'm going to find something that's run in a, a more appropriate response. That's just my little uh, wish list here. And then my other question is, when are you coming to America? <laughs> We're getting, we've already gotten quite a few people contacting us for that question. We need you in Brooklyn. We need you now. Yes, yes we've heard that. Um, and I think what you're describing, say, like with the example of Tzar Chaim and Kaparis, it's really, it's really a question of worldview and like the approach has to be very holistic, right? Yeah. Sometimes when uh, people see things like that, you know, who object, who are incensed by Kaparis, right, for example, with live chickens, their reaction is often like they'll they'll challenge the people. They might protest them. They might write editorials against them or, you know, right. post horrible pictures on Facebook or whatever, right? They're angry and they're right. upset. And, like, I hear that. But, like, if we're really talking about solutions, finding solutions, improving the, you know, to improve the conditions for the chickens or yep. whatever, make it more sanitary, make it more humane, right? If you're really talking about solutions, the only answer is education, and it has to be from, or, you know, obviously a Torah-based, respectful exactly. um, approach. And it's it's part of a bigger uh, picture of appreciating what nature is and what all the parts of nature, what role they pay, play, and how much we have to respect them. Like you said, how we have to respect a, an animal or a bug or a tree. Like, why we should care for it? Why shouldn't we, uh, you know, say a Luzbo Omer? Here in Israel, sometimes there's a problem that the kids will, you know, damage trees, you know, just pull yeah. off their branches and things like that. But that comes from a complete disconnection from what a tree is, right? right. It's never been discussed. And you mentioned your parents, you know, they, they made sure that you knew how bad litter was, right? I remember experiences like that from my parents and teachers growing up. I grew up in Australia, and the media there as well is very strong on environmental messages. And that's how I learned. And today, you wouldn't catch me littering for anything. I'd happily cross the park to put my wrapper in the bin. Has there Um, been any negative response? Is anyone angry that you dare try to change things? Or are people basically just very happy with this? There's there's been tremendous positive feedback. Mm -hmm. Let me just tell you something that happened just a few days ago. It happened in uh, Sanhedrin. I'm going to give you a warning. We have two minutes to go. So if you can just try to fit this into two minutes. Two minutes? Yeah. Well, it happened in Sanhedrin, which is a big Haredi neighborhood in Jerusalem. And uh, a woman knocked on her neighbor's door and asked him if she could borrow his gardening tools. And he said, sure, what do you want them for? She said that she's planting a garden growing vegetables in there in the yard around their building. And he was like amazed. Why would you want to do such a thing? And she told him that she's a kindergarten teacher. And she's taken Lashomra's training program. She's running the program in her kindergarten. And she thought, why not bring it home for her own kids and for her own, the kids in her building? And they're cleaning up the garden and they're planting vegetables. And what I see from that is that this program has momentum. It takes off in ways that we can't even imagine. I feel like I'm watching miracles before my eyes. Mm. Um, and, and I see that there's a real need. There's, there's, the response has been like beyond anything we could imagine. We, you know, we have limited funding, but we've had schools come to us who, after we said no to them because we don't have the funding, they, they come up with the money themselves. Kindergarten, mm. 14 kindergartens have done that in Jerusalem. We didn't have the money to help them, not this year, and they found the money themselves. They want this. 
They want right. it. The, the teachers want it. The students want it. And the impact, we can't really measure it. We believe that, you know, within a few years, the impact will be noticeable on the streets of Jerusalem. That's one of our goals. Yeah. I can't wait to see. Naomi, thank you so much. There, You know, every time I find out about a new problem, it sort of keeps me up at night more. Um, and to know that there are amazing people that are sort of tackling you know, certain things that I don't have to worry about anymore um, or worry about as much is really such a relief because this did need to be dealt with and does need to be dealt with. And we would love to help um, publicize the great work that you're doing and make sure that every school knows that you're available. And I would love to see you in uh, the States as well. And thank you so much for joining us today. And thank you all for listening. You can catch us same time, same place next week. Bye-bye.